Welcome to 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness with your host, Dr. Rob Bell. Dr. Rob interviews expert coaches, executives, and athletes about mental toughness and their hinge moments. The hinge. It connects who we are with who we've become, and it only takes one. And now for your host, Dr. Rob. I was convinced for a moment that there was nothing left to live for. I, I consider myself pretty optimistic, positive, uh, life passionate person who just loves to explore things. But in that moment, I just fell deeper than I have ever been. It was like a black hole and everything around me, my dreams, uh, outlook on life, my expectations on everything that I was wanting and, and building for and, and progressing towards, it was just gone in an instant. Because it was not only the cancer diagnosis, it was the, the fact that I had to amputate the leg. Hey, this is Dr. Rob Bell. If you want a free ebook, the best mental toughness quotes that will make you better, just text Dr. Rob Bell, that's D-R-R-O-B-B-E-L-L, to this number, 33444. You'll get a download right away. So this is Dr. Rob Bell. Be sure to check out our new book, Puke and Rally. It's not about the setback, it's about the comeback. Uh, Our guest today on 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness. So in 2011, she achieved her dream of playing professional golf, which is tough enough. But just two months later, she survived an earthquake in New Zealand. And a month after that natural disaster, she was diagnosed with cancer of her knee and she had to have her leg amputated. So we talk about a hinge moment. These are when uh, these life-changing events happen. Her dreams are put on pause. And the reason why we've got her as a guest today is because this is a strong individual who refused to give up, knowing that life is still to be lived to the fullest. Just two months after the amputation, she made a comeback at the elite stages as a, as a golf professional. Uh, really looking forward to her story today, and I know you're really going to get a lot out of this. Our guest today is... Caroline Moore. Caroline, how are you? Hi, Rob. Thank you for this like really grandiose intro. Oh. Thank you for being part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, uh, so, I mean, I'm so thankful that you listened to the podcast and you reach out to me saying, look, I've, I've got a great story. I know it's going to be able to help people. And when I heard it, I said, absolutely. Like, you are the person that I want to have on there. So, I mean, let's delve into it. I mean, in 2011, I mean, you, you, you achieve your dream of playing golf and then pick us up from there. Yes. So really my whole dream of like in this life is is was to play golf professionally. So I invested all my hours. Uh, you know, you plan everything according to golf and you practice, you sl- you get enough sleep, you eat well. You're you're getting in this kind of hamster wheel but a, a, like a good feeling of progressing because you see that you're getting better and everything. So in 2011 I I finally got the the PGA status and I was just ready to plan my way on tour I was going to go qualifying that year for the European tour and you know I was just ready to take off and it's a bit like the airplane is ready to take off and it's got all its engines on and it's just ready to go and at the same time I get this um, first the earthquake that just 
gave me this huge perspective of um, partly what's important in life. Um, we got this life. We got to make the most out of it. I got perspectives of uh, people coming together in a tremendous way when there is really um, a crisis. Like, can you, can you talk? Are, can you talk us through that actual event there? Yeah, sure. So I was there with my little sister. She qualified for the European tour in New Zealand. Okay. And then we said together that we, we have always been together. We're really super close. And um, we went there to the other side of the planet and we played the tournament. And it was just a, an incredible experience. And I got even more uh, convinced of, the, yes, this is what I want. You know, I, I just felt it coming so close to me. This dream is finally happening. And then we had two days in New Zealand before we were going to fly back to Sweden. And um, of the second day, actually, so our last day, we were in the middle of the city of Christchurch having lunch when the earthquake, the biggest, most powerful earthquake in 80 years hit the city. And it was just devastating. The, um, the quake was about 15 seconds and it measured 6.3 on the Richter scale. It was um, not that deep. It was really shallow under yeah, the, the earth, uh, under the ground. So, so all buildings around us were just crashing down. And it was actually the choice of our lunch restaurant that, that saved my life. And made me sit here today, actually. What uh, what happened? So, uh, so we we chose this lunch restaurant, and that was one of the three buildings on that entire street that was not uh, completely crashed down. Wow. Yeah. So obviously we were running for our lives. We didn't know what an earthquake is. I mean, in Sweden, uh, we don't have earthquakes. We had like some, some really, really small ones, but it's, it's barely like you see the water in your water glass a little bit bumping around, but it's not more than that. Um, but in New Zealand, our water glasses were jumping up half, an, half a meter in the air. Um, the shares were just jumping. We couldn't sit still. We were just running out of this lunch restaurant in panic, not knowing what it was. But outside, all the buildings were crashing down. The buses were falling. You know, it was this dramatic scene that you just imagine in a in, in a an action movie. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, it wasn't an action movie. So you're having lunch. You run, you and your sister, just out into the street? Yeah. And that's how you survive? Yeah, so I'm, I actually fall because the ground shakes so much that yeah. it's like big waves on the street. So I fall and I, I actually pass out. My sister, she gets me up. She, um, and at the same time, the building on top crashes down. So there comes big blocks of stone just flying through the air, but it just misses us with inches and we get out. So it was, it was really, really dramatic. I've never felt so small in my entire life. I never felt the earth being so powerful. You know this feeling when you... I mean, you're at the golf course or you're out somewhere and just it comes like a big storm or something yeah. just instantly. And this power that the earth has is just like you feel so feel so like small and um, you just got to find a way to navigate through that. And same goes for life, obviously, right. like the, the decisions that we make and what we do. And we got to navigate through the, the tough things. And that's what builds us our mental mental toughness too, right? <laughs> so, um, 
after you come to and I mean, are there aftershocks that are happening with this? Yeah. And, and I mean, there has to be just carnage all around you. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was I, like in instantly like a ghost town. And then what what did you do? Uh, so we we actually got help. Um, so we before the quake happened, and this is this is an, an incredible story. Ten minutes before the earthquake happened, we are connecting with with a security securitas guard yeah. that is checking the fire alarms in in every building. So we were just briefly connecting, and there you see the power in just connecting with with strangers and just saying hello and how are you. Because he actually runs down from a five-level five building. He comes down in time. He runs towards us. Brings. He actually goes into the restaurant. Because obviously we were flying home that day. And we were carrying our passports, wallets. You know, everything was in that restaurant. So he actually goes in there with the risk of aftershocks. He gets us out of that city. He goes with us all the way with... Like so many of the strangers, like all we are helping each other out from the city. Um, we are sleeping in our car, and the second night we are sleeping in our hotel under like tables. But it actually happens that two weeks after the quake, when I'm back in Sweden, my phone is ringing and I don't know the number. And then I pick up, and it's the guy, the security guard. He's calling, and he actually was rewarded one of Christchurch heroes for helping so many people and he got one call free call to call in the entire world and he called us oh wow yeah wow what a connection that's amazing yeah it's amazing yeah mm. um and then just for that i mean was there um did you have post-traumatic from from that kind of event and experience in that so obviously my whole world was a bit shaken around yeah uh, both perspectives, everything that I saw there, because obviously there was pictures that you will never forget. Um, it was a lot of injured um, people and um, so on. But since I went through this with my sister, and I think it's not an excuse or so, but I, since we went through it together, we talked a lot about it. Right. And we could really connect because this was not something we could describe for anyone who was not in that quake. Right. But but since we had each other, we went through, like we actually were able to process this pretty well. But you know, I didn't really have so much time either because coming back to Sweden, I was directly hit with the, with the next big shake even if it was, that was not a an earthquake, but it was something completely else. It was the cancer diagnose. Yeah. So you actually have a, a perspective then, you, you, how precious life is, and then you have this diagnosis that happens. Walk us walk us through that, Caroline. Yeah, so that was obviously the, the next big shake. And um, receiving that cancer diagnose, I was convinced for a moment that there was nothing left to live for. I, I consider myself pretty optimistic, positive, uh, life, passionate person who just loves to explore things. But in that moment, I just fell deeper than I have ever been. It was like a black hole and everything around me, my dreams, uh, outlook on life, my expectations on everything that I was wanting and, and building for and, and progressing towards, it was just gone in an instant. 
because it was not only the cancer diagnosis, it was the, the fact that I had to amputate the leg, as you said in the intro so nicely, that just crushed my entire life. And it's from, because, from the knee below, they, they remove your leg? No, actually above the knee. Above the knee? But yeah, um, the difference is really like when you have the knee, um, you can have a prosthetic that doesn't go as high up. <laughs> and you can, in best cases, take maybe more weight and you know you have the you have the function of the knee yeah. and when you when you have it above the knee you don't you don't have the function of the knee you obviously need um a prosthetic the whole way and um what happens is that yeah you got to learn how to move uh, move a body part that is so complex because so far that i know i don't know today if there is any knee that is as good as a regular normal knee oh wow do you hear that thunder you're good okay so there is no knee like prosthetic that is as good as a regular knee today as far as i know so there is a lot of things that you need to practice both the movement the trust of you know not feeling the ground and so on but this was something that came to us all later i didn't even know this world existed before i got the cancer diagnosis and the decision that my leg had to be amputated wow and yeah so you have this diagnosis then how long was it before like they said well this is what you have to do and this is going to be the treatment and this is your chance of survival. I mean, what was that like? Yeah, so my doctor, he said that the only way that we can actually save your life is amputation. And he said it instantly. He said, you got three weeks. And when you think about that, three weeks, it may seem like a short amount of time. And I would have thought so if I didn't experience the earthquake. Uh, because already there I got an, a perspective of time because the earthquake was 15 seconds and so much happened in those 15 seconds that was so powerful and instantly I could see that three weeks if you take that amount of time which is a lot of time how much powerful things can actually happen in three weeks so it it, it started already from the beginning. I had this moment of what I just said of coming down in this deep hole and just not knowing where to go and what to do and being overwhelmed by all these feelings, having my dreams crushed. But then I realized this is the time that I have left with my two legs. And th three weeks may not seem like a lot of time, but I just felt like had, I had endless time. I had so much time compared to this 15 seconds. So I started calculated, calculating how much time is this? It's so and so many seconds, so and so many hours, 504 hours. And I took a decision to really go for everything that I wanted to do one last time. So what would you do if you had three weeks left? was basically my question to myself. And what, what, was, the, what was your answer? It was a lo lot of things. It was going out for a hike. It was going biking, going riding horses, playing golf, obviously, going swimming, walking in high heels, taking a water glass from one room to the other. Just simple things that you don't think of every single day because you don't really pay attention to. How does it feel to walk with, with a water glass in my hand? But... I just had to take that moment and feel how that felt to appreciate that. And that was kind of my 
maybe sounds a bit sad, but it wasn't, but it was my farewell to a life that I had lived. And it was my way to close the door and then open for, for a new experience to enter. Because I knew that in a couple of months, I will be here again, doing these things just completely different. Right. In, in a lot of ways, I mean, that's, that's quite the gift because um, a lot of amputees I mean, don't even get that, that chance to experience that. Either it's an explosion or something happens where they don't have that chance to have that 504 hours, like you, like you mentioned. I mean, what, what a gift, I guess, you were given even exactly. there. Yeah, exactly. And as you say, it can be an explosion, it can be a motorcycle accident, which is really common for amputees. But I, I just feel I had that experience of the earthquake and that was a traumatic experience I couldn't prepare myself for. But even if you cannot prepare and you don't have the 504 hours and it just happened to you right now and you're listening to this, you can still do a lot of preparation and mental training afterwards. So you can do this mentally because it was not about the physical activities that I did. That was just a substitute for the mental practice that I was actually doing because the mental practice was coming to some sort of decision of going for my life. It was about a decision to accept where I was, to build a new foundation. And it was a mental training to actually see, okay, what do I have? What's the part that I can build a new uh, strategy to do these things that I love again and it was about showing up it was about not the physical things as I said it was really about the responsibility and the choice of uh, showing trust for myself through this time can you walk us through that just let's unpack it let's do the laundry on that piece the mental pra- yeah the mental practice you had to do and then just I mean you said something in terms of like that that trust that you had to have in yourself. Walk us through that transformation then. Yeah, so I believe that the trust was built on both, it was basically two parts. And the trust was was there because I had the courage to be there for myself, being with the emotions and the situation that I was facing. Because that was really, um, I had a lot of fear. I was really scared. But courage is really be you know being scared but doing it anyway and that builded trust for me to be able to be there and say hey all these feelings that i'm feeling it's okay to feel them they all have a place i cannot erase them through my life i just have to be able to navigate towards where is the enriching parts so that was basically like the present thing that i did to build trust but it was also the trust to to start building this attractive future again. So all of those pictures that I had for the future of playing golf, you know, on these professional tournaments, I had so many pictures. I had these, um, all this audience, you know, that was on the side of the, of the tee box that were clapping when you were coming up there. I was visualizing everything so crystal clear. And suddenly I had to rebuild these pictures that I had something to look forward to that was uh, really nice and not just a scare city. Yeah. And that builded a lot of trust to to really commit to this process. What, what were some of the new visions, the new pictures that you had? So it was, for example, like I will be on a bike again. I was sitting on a bicycle again, biking with one leg. And just the thought of that with me 
on one leg. It was just, it made me laugh at one part, you know, because, you know, being serious and laughing can be so close. Being being fearful and being like totally happy can also be so close. So I just thought about these moments and then I thought, how funny would that be? And I, I wonder how that strategy will look like when I get to there. And it became um, like arousing and it became... I became curious to find that out because I realized there is no handbook. There is no rule. There is nobody who will be able to actually tell me how I'm going to be able to do these things. I will have to be able to find that out. And as you are a kid, you know, like little kids, they have this like huge imagination of how to do things. And they just stand on their bed and they say, oh my God, I am the pirate on the on the ship, on the ocean. And they see the ocean, they see the ship and they feel like the sword that they like take up from their pocket. And it was the same feeling was for me. I, I felt that I became creative, playful. And that was a really nice balance towards this being very serious, having this uh, thing in front of me that was very scary. And it was a place for me to always tap into that I knew was there all the time. Hey, this is Dr. Rob Bell. Our new book, Puke and Rally, it's not about the setback, it's about the comeback. It can be bought anywhere books are sold or go to the website pukeandrallybook.com. Caroline, did you always have that skill of being able to, you know, I guess to be able to draw those pictures and have that vision early on in your life? Or did was this something that just kind of manifested because of what had happened? I think I practiced that. Yeah. I don't, I cannot say like, oh, I always had it. I don't know. Um, I believe like, I believe as a kid that, of course, I, I, I could see like, a ship in the living room or you know like all these things but um and play with my friends like you know being on a bike and and imagining that you were riding a horse or so on but um i practiced these pictures of visualization with my mental coach for golf so that was a huge resource that i could use in that moment when i was facing the cancer diagnose and I must say that this was not something that I just did alone either, because I don't believe that a change happened to one person. It happens to everybody that are, you know, affected by it. So I had a lot of people around me, or a lot, maybe sounds like a huge amount, but a lot. I mean, I had so many friends, family members, and I felt like we were in it together because we helped each other to really bring this playfulness, the curiosity, the laughter, and also we could be there when we were crying. So we were really helping each other to tap into this playfulness, yeah. if you will. You yeah. know, I mean, you talk about the mental preparation, this, uh, the visualization, the pictures, the trust and courage. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I believe that's not about the setback, it's about the comeback. Walk us through then, what, what, what did your comeback, what was that experience like? Yeah, so the comeback was just an incredible it was an incredible experience because already in the hospital, I set the goal that I wanted to be back on the golf course. And in order for me to even be able to do this comeback, I had to reframe uh, the meaning of my situation. 
it was really like, okay, life is happening for me right now. So what's the gift? And the gift was really to be able to go for golf again. And I had no clue if I was going to be able to go for it on one leg, with two legs, with a prosthetic, um, with such a um, para golfer, I think it's called, you know, that lift you, you put on a seatbelt and it lifts you up to standing position. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so there's different options and I had no clue how I would be able to play golf, but I just had this goal two and a half months after my surgery, I will play a professional event and I chose the Swedish championship for my comeback and I didn't really think about the golf tournament um, as my primary goal, even though that was my vision for the direction where I was going. I was thinking about all the challenges that I would face in my life being one-legged compared to being two-legged. So for example, going shopping food with one leg, going shopping clothes or shoes, um, just going outside of my door on a bad day. Like all of those things was going to, to feel challenging at one moment, more or less. And the goal would help me to go through that. It will help, it will pull me through these things and make me grow. So the comeback to reach that tournament, to actually be playing there, because I was playing there and I didn't practice so much golf before this tournament. I actually practiced a lot of mental training. Of course, I hit balls. I was out playing on the course, but I played like 12 holes. A round of golf is 18 holes. And now I was going to perform in a tournament on the highest level in Sweden. But I did that with my sister, and um, it was it was an experience where where it was the first time in my life not focusing on the results, but focusing on being there. And uh, because I was just enjoying it full out, not even thinking about my backswing or <laughs> you know um, all those technical details that we golfers tend to tend to maybe focus on yeah, a lot obsess about yeah yeah exactly all the time um i was just playing and i was just thinking about target 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 uh focus was there so me and my sister we we played together and we won that day you won that tournament yeah we won <laughs> well walk us through that i mean that's two and a half months after you've had your leg removed yeah and i mean that that's incredible yeah, I, you know what? I didn't think about that at the time. It is a bit like I'm usually, I usually compare it to um, horses, horse racing. You know when they put this, um, this helmet on the horse, or mm -hmm. I don't know how you call it, but they have something on the side of their, of their eyes. So they can only look forward, like straight on. Yeah. They cannot look to the side. And there were so many people outside of me. You can imagine that that both thought this was possible and not thought it was possible. And by by all good means, they tried to remind me of either way, you know, all the time and uh, saying maybe you're moving too fast or this is not good and you shouldn't be doing this or I totally think it's possible. But during this time, comeback time, I didn't I didn't hear it. I didn't I didn't reflect on it. I was so focused on on going out there and live life again it was like i was uh, finally tapping into 
um, an overview. We, we can talk about sometimes in mental training like a helicopter perspective. Imagine that you're in a helicopter and you're looking down and I was having this this path, this vision was so clear of where I wanted to go that nothing else mattered and I was able to filter all of those things that came from the outside and I was not even valuing if it was incredible or not because I was just in the experience. It's a bit like coming in this flow state that right. a lot of athletes are talking about. You don't think that you're in flow. Everything is just flowing and working and it sounds like it was just all like magnificent, everything. Of course, it was a lot of struggle. I was crying a lot and I was having resistance. I was failing. But um, yeah, the vision was so clear. I mean, I just, I just think that's remarkable. So you're at a whole nother level in terms of your consciousness that what people said didn't really even have kind of an impact. You just made that decision and that vision of what you had, and you just, and you just did it. But, but you were so successful. I could just imagine like you just competing would be a victory, but you all won. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was incredible. I couldn't like after the tournament, I couldn't believe like what did we win? You know, I had no clue. I didn't even know our score throughout that round. But making that last part, obviously, there was a lot of audience when we came in on the 18th hole. And I, I understood that the last part was going to be pretty like spectacular. But I thought it was mostly because I I was there again, not because we were in the top lead and it meant winning. But it was it was really amazing. And how did your experience, and, and then even being with your sister at the earthquake, how did she perform, and how did her perspective change as well? So I believe she got really much stronger, also out of it, um, also shaken. We've been talking a lot about that, um, how you view time, how you view your decisions, what's really important, make the most out of every situation, make them now, not wait for later. Um, but she had eight, after the earthquake, she had eight incredible years on latest European tour. So at that time, she was, at that time, she was the youngest Swedish player going on the Euro European tour. So she had, she had an amazing time. She finished fifth in the final in Dubai on the latest European tour. And she did really, really well. So I think that she really grew stronger through that experience too. Like answering for her, obviously, but I think so, objectively speaking. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, um, walk us through then the journey. What, um, well, no, I've got a quick question for you, I guess, before we get into that. Sure. Because I, I want to <laughs> hear about how your life changed and how you've helped others because you're speaker, you're coach. But a quick question before we get to that. Um, I've heard many times before that people's worst day ends up being their best. Is that true for you? Yeah, definitely. The outcome of it. I would say the outcome of it. And definitely it was a turning point for me because I realized I love golf so much. But something else started to grow like a big passion. You just mentioned it uh, to be speaking for people as a keynote speaker and a mental trainer and providing my, my programs and all of this because I realized so many things about myself and so many things that I'm convinced 
that we can just tap into this power. All of us has access to this power and we have it in our unique way. And sometimes it's the strategies that differs, you know, we have our unique path and what we need to do and what's important for us and so on. But this just grew so strong for me, this passion of sharing these these elements, these tools and these ideas on stage and so on. So I just love what I do today. Yeah. Well, talk us, yeah. talk, talk us through it. Like, what's that power? What do we need access? How do we um, tap into that, that potential? Yeah, so firstly, understand that you always, always have the choice. Always have the choice. How you view things that you're able to, like you're not conditioned by your old beliefs. And this is something that I constantly challenge myself with every single day, that you know you keep on replay those thoughts that you had in the past. And it's basically like you're walking with your back towards the future and not with your front, your face towards the future. Because you keep repeating these limiting beliefs of, oh, that time it didn't work out, or I didn't have enough, or I am not enough, or I'm too young, I'm too old. And we keep like applying that for the new situations always. But every single day that we wake up, it's a fresh new start. And we don't have to apply these limiting beliefs. We can actually take a different decision, shift our mindset towards what's the growth in that? What's the gift in this? And I have this golden question that I use in in every situation for turning it around okay that ma that makes actually like uh, an obstacle to to feel more like an opportunity and that is what li if life is happening for you right now what's the gift and i don't stop until i actually find the gift whatever it is you know so when i find the gift it's like i plant a seed a new thought is planted and then when I spend time with this thought and I really ignite it in my life, let it take space and actually focusing more on that than the other thought that is telling me that it's not possible, um, I start to see different possibilities. Like, for example, for me, like I have today, I have a shoe friend. She's amputated on the other leg and she wears the same shoe size as me and we share shoes together. Oh, wow. That's cool. So it's just like... And these things helped me then because I was able to turn it around. I flipped it around. I gave it another like meaning for me that it's actually fun to have one leg because it's kind of fun to have one leg. It's economical. My, my husband loves it. I get new shoes every year. You know, all of those things that I actually start to enjoy it emotionally. I start having the reactions that it's actually amazing. It's great. So my view today of having one leg is just that it's fantastic. And I didn't think I was going to be able to say that when I got the diagnosis or heard that I was going to be live, live life on one leg. Mm -hmm. So I completely did that transformation to believe that it is fantastic. And I have that in my body now. My body knows it's fantastic. And it helps me, supports me with the right emotions in those moments. So we have a choice, and then part of that golden question, if, if life is for you, then what is the gift in this situation? Yeah. Okay. And then exactly. And then, because uh, I'm, I'm eating this up, I absolutely love this. I mean, what is... Awesome. What's, what's next? How do we... Um, so listen? it's your focus. Yeah. To really, like, to really pay attention. And first, um, it might be that, you know, we get, we get this gift. 
And it's a seed first because it's a seed. It's a new thought. And that needs to grow. And how do we grow a seed? We need to we need to put water on a seed for it to grow, which means that we actually have to put put our focus because that's our energy. So we have to direct our energy towards that thought to make it grow. And when it starts to grow, we can realize more opportunities with this because we see the side effects of that thought. We see how we get into uh, conversations with different people. And we see that this thought starts to manifest in our life. We meet people. We, we can have this thought as a supporting thing. So we have to be conscious about how that grows. And as it grows, suddenly you will start to influence actually your emotional uh, state. Because you will get the feelings. Walk, walk us through that. that. Can you give us an example of that? That seed, that thought, and then how we need to direct our focus towards it? Yeah, so I usually talk in my speeches about, you yeah. know, how you directly direct your focus towards a color, red. So look around you right now and focus all your energy on red. Mm-hmm. And uh, remember where it is. It's really, really important that you remember where this is. And I would ask you to close your eyes right now and then where is the color blue? Did you re- register the color blue? No. And ma- No, you didn't yeah. because you put all your focus towards the red thing. And if that red thing is a possibility, great, you let it grow in your life. If it's not a possibility, if it's a problem or an obstacle, you don't even see the possibilities. So that's how we can really direct our focus. So for example, for me, uh, after the surgery, after the amputation, I was really scared if I was going to feel beautiful again. So I had this limiting thought. And you can go right now and, and identify a limiting thought that you have. Okay, so something that is telling you Uh, or something that is holding you back in life. Okay, I'm not going to be beautiful. I'm too old. I'm too young. I don't have enough resources. I'm not enough. Okay, then I took a decision. I took a decision to look for the gift if life is happening for me right now. If life is happening for me right now, having one leg, what's the gift? I can start experience how beautiful, how beauty is built on one leg. That was my gift. So I actually have a gift where I can actually get a new perspective. And it felt a bit awkward in the beginning because it was a new thought. Can I really experience if there is beauty in having one leg? And then I started to direct my focus towards this. And as I did that, I thought every single day, I am beautiful. Let's see how I'm beautiful in this perspective. Let's see how this feels being beautiful you know I was feeding this thought a lot of different thoughts that's where I I, where I put the water on the seed you know let it grow let it grow let it grow Mm -hmm. so let's say that you have this I'm not enough I'm not enough take a decision to find out what's the gift in having this okay the gift is that you can give yourself a perspective of finding out that you are enough looking for the situations in your life where you can actually play full out, be enough. And then feeding this thought constantly, constantly, constantly. That made me actually start to feel, I am being beautiful, I am enough. Because you put attention towards this. And that's when I said before, that's when you can realize how, for example, I was in the middle of the city 
and a woman comes up to me and with one leg with crutches with a with a short skirt she comes up to me I don't know her it's a stranger she says oh my god you look so beautiful with one leg and a skirt and that was in the beginning when I was feeding my thoughts so that that's when I could see that I'm actually radiating out this and you can see that it starts to happen in your world and you get this emotional connection mm -hmm. to actually feel that. And a new truth is being made then. Was that clear? It was, because I mean, I keep getting back to, it's like whatever we focus on, we feel. Yeah. And so if, if we are focused on what is the gift in this kind of situation and being able to change our focus on that, and then I, I guess I would see the, the huge result of that is the energy and the it's going to confirm our belief, right? So whatever we believe, we're going to find evidence to confirm that belief. If yes. I believe if I believe that I'm not good enough, and that's the thought, I'm going to find evidence that shows I'm not good enough. Exactly. If, if I show that, hey, I'm okay, I'm going to find evidence that shows, hey, I'm just okay. Um, and that's what I kind of keep getting back to on that piece. But I really like the way you articulate that because it... Uh, <sighs> For me, what I hear is just incorporating all those senses on it and really being intentional about, look, we got to recognize what that limiting belief is and and not to deny it or pretend it's not there, but to be able to hug the cactus. I always say that. Like, I got, yeah. I got a lot of dark, a lot of dark places in, in Rob's mind and, and we got to be able to hug the cactus and make friends with that and then say, well, all right, what is the gift in that? And, but I like the way you really incorporate those those emotions as well. Thank you. I love that. Hug the cactus. That's yeah. how it feels. Yeah, that was. Um, you yeah. Know, so that was from Robert Downey Jr. So when he was, I mean, he suffered from you know a lot of drug addiction, alcohol addiction, and was just absolutely at the bottom. I mean, nobody would hire him. And you know, the one person that took him in was Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson, um, you know, suffered from wow. his own demons. But basically said, you know, you've got to make friends with this part of yourself that you do not like. And he called it hugging the cactus. And if you look at one of the most successful actors now, I mean, it's it's Robert Downey Jr. I mean, just amazing wow. talent. But but he used that phrase. And I always loved that one. I thought it was such a righteous statement. It's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, absolutely. I get yeah. so, I'm, I'm getting so much out of you. So, I mean, iron sharpens iron here. Um, awesome. With... You know, in, in terms of this and in, in the message that you then share with uh, with so many people in the lives that you help impact, what's another message that you help people out with? So obviously it's a lot about change. So if we know that a change is coming or a because a lot of a, a lot of us can get chills when we think of change um, or if we have a challenge that is coming up. I help a lot of people then with what's the physical and mental preparations that I need to do for this change to be in the best conditions possible and to really set this vision that I talked about earlier with the golf course and really have that so clear and integrated that whatever challenges that you will face when you prepare yourself, because yeah, whatever challenge that you will face then will actually help you to move through them. Because we all know this, like, standing on New Year's Eve, you know, and having this promise to yourself that this is the year I'm going to get this beach body and <laughs> this is 
the year when I'm going to do this or I'm going to drink green smoothies. And you just play full out for a short amount of time. You really go for it, but then you just suddenly start to drop off. So really this connection with the why are you doing what you are committing to? Like what's the impact? How is that going to elevate you in your life? How is that going to make you improved that you actually you know get fall in love with the with the outcome of reaching that step because if it's not attractive enough uh that's my belief is that you will never take the steps then you will stay because it's not so attracting to go there because you don't really know if you didn't articulate it or if you didn't connect to the why you will never take the steps towards it yeah. So that I help a lot of people with to really integrate that on an emotional level. What do you do if, because I, I mean, the what I've seen a lot is when people are in pain. So when they, if there's enough pain there, they're going to do whatever it takes to get out of that pain. Yeah. And, you know, so if it's somebody that, you know, regardless of where they're at, right, it might be a pro golfer, might be somebody, um, you know, trying to break through in their business, might be somebody trying to lose 30 pounds or or have a personal best in a record. But what I see a lot of times is if we get comfortable, like if it's like, well, you know what? I wanted to lose 30 pounds, but 10's not that bad. And now I'm feeling better <laughs> and everything. And then we lose the motivation. What yeah. do you, what do you say in terms of that? Because I mean, it was the initial pain of not being good enough that got us out of that. Um, but what about that? When we get comfortable, when we get, um, you know, eh, I'm okay sort of, sort of deal. Yeah, and you say it's so good that pain can be like the greatest motivator. Well, I've, I've like, always seen it. I mean, like, it, I don't mean yeah. to, I don't mean to cut you off because I want you to take this, but it's like mm -hmm. with a pro golfer that's making cuts but just doing okay. My impact on on him or her is not that great. It's only when they've missed four cuts in a row. All right, Rob, tell me what I need to do, and I will do it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So go for it. Yeah, I think that. Um, I did the the I did the Dickens process myself, which is about this this process is about to to realize the pain that it will cause you if you continue to be comfortable in five, ten, fifteen, twenty years, and then really understand not even like in not only intellectual but actually emotionally what happens in my in my life like what kind of relationships will actually break you know you imagine like nearly the worst possible with these things you imagine so much pain that the comfortable doesn't become something like um a place where you want to be absolutely boy that's because that's it but yeah because it can remind you you know to to continue to push and when you are comfortable you can also see it if you come back to like what's the gift in that if you're comfortable okay maybe you have a great foundation there to actually push a bit more because when you're a bit, when you are in pain you'll do everything and you have that great start you have that great energy you go like all out um, and then you get comfortable, so it slows down a little bit. And that's when you need to have these tools, maybe remind you of the pain that will get you going again, or you, or you think about that attractive future, because a lot of us are also, you know, uh, motivated by, by going towards something. Mm -hmm. So I see it like 
com- like motivated by moving away from pain. Like you said, I missed four cuts and what do I do? Or I want to create. I want to do this. I want to impact. I want to contribute. So, for example, for me, that I can give an example of this was that, okay, now I've come back. I've done, like, the good comeback and so on. And what now? What do I do? Right. And um, it was actually a wake-up call for me because it was a professional golfer, Jesper Parnevik, golf legend in Sweden. He told me when I was young and I was at one of his golf camps when I was roughly 10 years old, he told me, Caroline, never set too low low goals. Never set too low goals. Because what happens is when you reach that goal, you start to feel, you know, comfortable, Your, your motivation drops and you don't aim for something more, higher, better. Um, and you don't progress and then you don't become so happy you don't become fulfilled and I didn't understand like when I was 11 years old what he really meant but making that comeback to golf two and a half months after the amputation I truly understood it because I was of course fulfilled I was happy I was so satisfied but for a short amount of time I mean it didn't last a year you would maybe think, oh, that would last like so long. But if you think about it yourself, like how long do you actually celebrate a success? No, you move to that area, like you move to this level, the next step. And then and then you have a new foundation. You have a new blueprint. You have a new base. So then where do you go? So I always think about how can I contribute? How, how can I grow when I feel comfortable, you know? And I... I think of, of people that I can really make an impact for that are maybe not as lucky as, as I am. And I had that dream then to, to one day <clears throat> be able to finance a school in South Africa for kids so they would get education. And um, I manifested that, of course, with a lot of help and through, through events, but we raised enough money that the school is now running with that special program called Stuff a Life program, which is a program that helped these kids form their dreams for the future. And that just helps me so much to be able to to help them. And it help like it helps them to move out of poverty, to move because it's in the worst areas of HIV and AIDS mm-hmm. in South Africa. And just having that in my consciousness that I am helping people and I cannot, you know, I cannot stop. I cannot become comfortable because they're relying on me. And I want to continue to contribute. So that helps me not only, you know, the pain factor, but also the the factor of of, uh, creating, of contributing. It's a great way. So take that for golf. How do you, like, if you become comfortable, think of the young kids the, the boy, the girl that is looking up to you, what will they see? How, would you, how do you want to be? What role model? Like, who are you? And how do you contribute to their growth? Because they're looking at you. So you cannot become comfortable. you got to continue. I'm glad you mentioned that. That was actually the segue to do it. Um, really? Yeah. I mean, that was... Um, <laughs> I mean... My next question I wanted to ask, because I think what your school is, is absolutely fantastic and, um, you know, just shows what a credible person you are. 
with um, what question am I not asking you that I should be asking? What's next? <laughs> Share that with us. So I want to give out my book right now. So I'm definitely, I'm writing my story. I want to give out my book. Uh, I am looking for the right publisher right now. Um, I am, I am having a vision of one day making a movie to spread this even more. Um, I want to continue to, to spread my messages on stages speaking. Um, I want to write more books, of course, open more schools. So that's what's next. Oh, that's awesome. Do we have the title of the book? Yeah, in about 504 hours. Oh, okay. Because uh, <laughs> I wrote that down when you mentioned that. I was like, this is going to be the title of our podcast episode. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. If that's okay <laughs> if that's okay with you, if that's not going to... Yeah, sure. Okay. Sure. Go for it. Um, boy, that's fantastic. Uh, Caroline, I really enjoyed this time. And let me ask you, if you can share then, where um, can our listeners... You know, learn more about you and and follow you and, and especially your school and, and your coaching. Yes. So my website, carolinemore.eu, and it's more M-O-H-R. And I'll, I'll put the link in there for sure. Ah, you put the link on there. So yeah. my website, Instagram, Facebook, um, yeah, that's my social channels where they can follow. Like the progress of, of all I do, inspiration I share, um, yeah, they can reach out with questions on my email too. That's on my website. So they're always welcome. I love to connect with Absolutely. people. Thank you so much for, for joining us. I got, I got so much out of this. Thank you too for having me. It was a real pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Mental Toughness Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. You can also check us out on Twitter at Dr. Rob Bell or visit our website at drrobbell.com.